for Gene Shepard, author, raconteur, and commentator of the contemporary scene. Here's Gene. You see, uh, ordinary trivia a thousand years ago went the way the trivia goes, or should go, into the wind. It was gone. But in our time, trivia is a major art form, and in fact, the major output of our society. It's not even, it's not really just a major art form, let's put it this way, it's the industry of our time <laughs> turning out. Oh, listen, if we were to spend one, let's say, one day's amount of money that is spent on showbiz, both from the spectator standpoint, from the networks, I'm talking about all of television, all of showbiz, all the glop, the trivial glop of, of, of one day, if we took just that money, just that money, we could probably build a new subway system for the entire city of New York. <laughs> I mean, really, very, very seriously. And that is a, you know, that is a uh, is a statistic that nobody has yet compiled. And I'll tell you, it would be staggering. The great PhD thesis, wouldn't it? I know one guy that turned out a PhD thesis at a great Midwestern university, and he did he did probably the ultimate thesis. I think he did a thesis on the origin of, the development of, and the ultimate meaning of the footnote in Ph.D. theses. <laughs> a great Ph.D. thesis of this time would be to compile, because now we've got the computers, you see. You couldn't have done it uh, like uh, 100 years ago. No way. You couldn't have added it up. It would take like 4 million Chinese working those night and day for 112 years to figure out just what CVS spends in one day. <laughs> and all the ad agencies, and you took all the, all the you know, the, the magazines, anything devoted to showbiz of all types, beginning with the crack of dawn when Hughes Rudd appears, all the way on till the final last gasp and the next day's uh, prayer for the day comes on. You'd have to include that, too, because the prayer is now showbiz. A lot of money is spent on producing them prayers, baby. So when you when you put all this stuff together, you see, it would be a staggering figure. In fact, it would probably transcend just that amount of money. Any other single activity that our country spends, if you were to take any other activity in our country and figure out how much it spends in 124 hours on that activity, like say building cars, uh, buying cars, driving cars, um, Drinking uh, uh, no kale, uh, <laughs> lime soda, uh, all the various things. I think you could combine everything, and it still would not come up to the combined expenditure on showbiz. Showbiz is essentially trivial. Oh, yes. I mean, I know it's hard for you to accept that, friends, but it is essentially trivial. It's, uh, it's uh, <laughs> more than essentially, it's basically trivial. And so, yeah, you know, showbiz is like an endless factory turning out endless, highly, highly packaged and beautifully designed uh, cartons filled with eternally gas-filled Twinkies. That's a kind of a nice image, isn't it? I mean, that's, that's showbiz. Now, don't confuse the Twinkie, however, with, uh, let's put it this way, uh, uh, sirloin steak or uh, a nice cut of a red snapper or, uh, you know, any of the other basic human foods. 
It's fun. It's for fun. One does not sit down uh, for three solid years and have Twinkies uh, the morning, noon, and night. Well, if you do, you're also going to have a lot of skin problems that we'll take care of later with another fun product. And so, <laughs> all those things, you see, it all multiplies. It just keeps going on and on. So, I've always felt that the, uh, that the, that the really basic function of our society is to, not only our society, it's getting to be the world society. Actually, just, let's face it, it's the world society. It's not, it's the way the world is going. The basic function of the world is to turn out fun. Right. What largely discredited Greek philosopher advocated that which one was it come on gang no don't come up and tell me Descartes he was not a Greek philosopher uh, uh, Schopenhauer no 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 no. you know Ike down there Schopenhauer on 7th Avenue that isn't the guy he turns out great pickles but that's not what he's doing now come on now what great Greek philosopher advocated a life based entirely on fun and games in fact, his basic philosophy says that which is fun, which you dig, is the only good in life. All the others must be gotten rid of. Who was that? Uh, the world is drifting rapidly in that direction. In fact, it's led to such, such exciting things as plane hijackings, instant... Uh, <laughs> gratification <laughs> who was it well I'll give you one clue it was not Plutarch I'll give you another clue it was not Plato and uh, so you know uh, we just leave that uh, for you to work out now <laughs> fun and games <laughs> you know speaking of fun and games uh, I have to report uh, as a student of uh, the American Road and uh, I studied the American road the way Mark Twain studied the American rivers. So because the road is the river of our time. And uh, I, uh, part of my, you know, part of my field of study includes the bumper sticker. Now the bumper sticker has changed drastically. If you watch the, the, the trends in bumper stickers, you will see the changing trends in America. Trends, <laughs> not necessarily specifics, but trends. For example, the bumper sticker, uh, let's say 15 years ago, was a simple declaration, like it would say, uh, Aschenschlager for Assemblyman. That was a very simple, primitive bumper sticker, which uh, merely stated a preference for a political candidate. And uh, then, of course, there was the other kind of bumper sticker that was very popular at the time, like, uh, Visit the Moving Desert of Maine. That was a good one. Uh, there were millions of those on. The, for example, South of the Border. You've seen that one probably, right? Well, South of the Border has nothing to do with Mexico. If you've ever seen that one uh, and you've wondered what it is, you probably figured a guy went down to Tijuana how to get a quick divorce, right? Well, actually, South of the Border is, is probably the greatest slob motel ever created in the history of the world. Yes, there is a motel called South of the Border. It has nothing to do with Mexico. Have you, ever, have you seen it? You haven't? Well, I'll tell you, if you're interested in the true slob world of our time, you must travel directly south. <laughs> till you come. In fact, you can't help getting that bumper sticker. There's guys posted all along the highway and who run along with you wearing serapes 
and giant 10-gallon hats, and they'll stick that bumper sticker right on your head if you slow up. It, uh, it's a giant motel. And when you drive in to this motel, a guy comes up with a, with a serape on. You know, it's not like a Howard Johnson. This is a, like a, well, let's put it this way. It's a Howard Johnson gone completely ape. When you drive in, uh, there's a guy comes running out, and he's, he, he usually has a, a serape. He's got a great big Mexican uh, hat on, you know, tremendous uh, sombrero. And uh, he's wearing uh, these Mexican-type pants with the gold stripes down the side, you know, with the bell things on it, the little vest. And he comes up and he says, Si, sí, senor, I am Pedro. Well, you know damn well he's not Pedro. He's from, he's from a place, so, you know, he's from Savannah, Georgia. You know it. But he's trained to say that. He says, I am Pedro. And at that point, he says, follow me, senor. And at that point, he drives off on a Mexican-decorated bicycle. And you follow him. And he's wearing a serape. <laughs> and he takes you to your room. Now, this motel covers maybe three or four states. So you really have to follow that guy to find your room. In fact, there have been some people who couldn't find their way back to the highway from their room and have been there since 1957, just wandering around buying Mexican uh, souvenirs and stuff. And they have a giant all-night souvenir stand. I mean, it's enormous. The souvenir stand is the size of uh, uh, Columbus Circle. And uh, it sells nothing but things like uh, fake Mexican uh, ceramic pipes. Uh, and it sells uh, fake uh, Mexican uh, plastic sombreros with a little donkey on the top. You can get that. It's kind of nice. And uh, all kinds of unbelievable slob stuff. And then right across the street, <laughs> you don't hear more about this, do you? It's a whole complex. And the reason they call it south of the border is that what border is it south of? If you don't know your... No, it's not the American-Mexican border. It is definitely south of a border. What border is it south of? Bum, ba -dum, bum. How's that for being a student of, <laughs> of America? Yes, it is. It's south. In fact, if you, if you look across the street, you see the border. Now, uh, getting, <laughs> getting on with this... With this uh, you don't want to hear any more about South... No, I don't, I'm not going to bother you with south of the border. No way. Except that I wish that they would seal it up you know, uh, in plastic, uh, put a great big plastic bubble over it and keep it because a thousand years from now, that is going to be one fantastic exhibit. They are going to come by the millions to see that. <laughs> I mean, how we lived in our time. And if you could preserve a couple of natives of our time standing there awestricken, you know, with their mouths hanging open, buying a, uh, a Spanish Mickey Mouse uh, <laughs> yeah, you can get Spanish mouseketeer hats there. Now, you think they're not... Well, the Spanish mouse is different from the American mouse. And, uh, yes, he's smaller, or greedier, and uh, he always has his hand out for tips. However, uh, yeah, you can get all... These are wonderful things. <laughs> well, oh, that's nothing. I mean, wait till I get going. However, uh, uh, <laughs> all jesting aside, though, uh, that we are living now in a society that is devoted almost exclusively to great overblown nothings. Uh, for example, now I just I, I decided to go to see uh, all the president's men. Uh, one of the great disappointments of my time, I, I had been told that this was right after the burning bush uh, for major miracles. And uh, impossible. <laughs> it was, you know, I, if, I, I'll put it this way, friends. If you didn't know all about Watergate, for starters, you'd get nothing out of this movie. Which shows that the movie, really, is not a movie, but a piece of, uh, let's say, subsidiary journalism. Uh, 
Uh, now, for what it was, it was fine. But as a movie, if you didn't know about Watergate, you'd be saying, what the hell? <laughs> what? What? And, 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 and it ended so abruptly. It's just like one minute, Woodward sat down and typed out a dramatic episode on his typewriter, and the whole government resigned. Uh, that's it. They just came out. Ticket, ticket, ticket. Resigned. <laughs> you don't know why. What? You know. And, and another thing, the, the movie never mentioned some of the really key people in Watergate, which is like you know, it's like doing a uh, a uh, a movie of the uh, let's say the surrender at Appomattox, and you never mention Grant. For some reason or other, Grant never enters that picture. Would would you have a? <laughs> for example, all right, you're going to ask me who didn't they mention? Not one mention of John Dean in it. Not one mention of John Dean in the entire movie, which is an incredible thing. I mean, and he was a key figure. You know, that's like saying, what, President? Who? Uh, John Dean was not mentioned in the entire movie. Now, I didn't see any reviewers who mentioned that fact. I guess it's because reviewers are like the rest of us. We have instant memories. And, uh, and also, by the way, instant, instant erasers on the memory. So it's very hard to remember an event of last year. So uh, you know, if you can, you can forget John Dean in, in a moment. Now, why? Probably there was legal reasons for that, probably. But it was a great flaw in the movie. Another thing, they never mentioned the Nixon tapes. Can you imagine doing a thing on Watergate and the tapes are never mentioned? <laughs> well, that's kind of interesting. And you know that the Watergate investigating committee was never mentioned? Well, that's also fascinating. Well, because you see, it would, I think it would tend to water down Robert Redford's role in bringing down the government, see, because it would show there was a whole lot of other guys that work on the same thing. I mean, I mean it's like, it's like uh, you know, if, if you show John Wayne galloping to the rescue, you know, aboard a horse, and he's uh, got the flag flying, you know, and the, all the bugles are blown. You know, he's galloping down. And then you, the camera switches over, and you see there's 18,000 other divisions coming through. That kind of tends to, you know, water down Wayne's uh, role. So what you have to do is to keep the camera focused on this one guy. And he's so cute. I mean, you just can't help but just, he's cuddly, really. And uh, I hardly like the original, but he's very cuddly. So if you drew back and showed the whole picture of Watergate, people would say, well, yeah, well, all right, he wrote that thing, but what about these other guys who were doing this stuff? They'd occasionally mention that there were another reporter who wrote something about this once in a while. But uh, it's a fascinating movie. And, uh, and uh, you know, George Orwell. George Orwell, one of the most famous things that Orwell left behind, his literary legacy, uh, is the concept that uh, that uh, one day we will rewrite history to fit what we want it to be. Now, in Orwell's idea, it was going to be the evil government that was going to do that. See, it was going to be this evil crowd headed by the Big Brother. And by the way, what was the Big Brother's name in that in the 18, 1984? All right. And what would he, he... Of course, he had this Ministry of Truth, you see, and what they did was rewrite history. Well, of course, Orwell wrote that sometime before William Morris really got into first gear. I mean, Orwell wrote that long before MCA really got going on history. I'm talking about, uh, you know, the big agencies. And so ultimately, uh, there is a feeling that history will not be rewritten by the government, but will really be written by MGM. And so uh, 
I'm sure that uh, that there's a lot of people who know nothing, absolutely nothing about Watergate, and they're getting all their information from Robert Redford. And, uh, <laughs> and, and, and so, if, uh, if you really want to rewrite history, uh, get yourself a good um, Aeroflex and a reasonably uh, proficient shooting crew. Get yourself a name star. Oh, that's important. I mean, you got to have B.O. friends, box office, smash, soccer and uh, get that crowd going, and you can write anything you want about history. And, and the crowd, which generally doesn't read, I don't think most people read newspapers today. Uh, they look in the back to see what's playing at the, <laughs> you know, at Cinema 3 or whatever the hell it is, and they also uh, want to find out how come uh, whatever ball team you follow dropped another one. That's about the extent of the reading. Once in a while, some adventuresome soul will do the crossword puzzle. Occasionally, some will sneak up as far up into the front of the paper as to see what uh, Ruffle Baker is griping about today. And uh, if you start getting into the places where they have the little print and the big words, that's when the uh, cognoscenti start dropping off quickly. Oh, yes. And, of course, that's where the real story of Watergate was written. <laughs> And I, I'm sure, I'm sure that that uh, that almost every event of our time now, since the success of all the president's men, will be reduced to a 90-minute film. And uh, you watch, there'll be a, a giant film. Uh, there has to be uh, a giant film uh, based on, uh, oh, let's say, uh, what's your favorite scandal? Oh, no, 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 that's teapot. Don't come on. That's that's about the. Same as the uh, Boston Tea Party. How about uh, Wayne Hayes revisited, right? And you you get Wayne Hayes. You could get Wayne Hayes played by Burt Lancaster. See, he's a, an L, uh, you know an aging, elegant, uh, uh, real operator. And who would you get for Elizabeth Ray? How about Faye Dunaway, right? Okay, fine. And uh, <laughs> have the whole thing directed by Warren Beatty, and you've got a smasheroo. Well, because if you got it directed by Warren Beatty, it doesn't make any difference whether you like Warren Beatty or not. Pauline Kael likes Warren Beatty. That's where it's at, buddy. And when you're with MCA, you better be where it's at. Or you ain't going to be where it's at very shortly. You'll be out running your shell station in Ypsilanti again. So uh, you got you got to stay with it, you know. You don't worry about the audience. God sakes, the audience. Are you kidding? Oh, are you kidding? It's the New York reviewers. All right, uh, so that's that's where it's at. <laughs> you like my accent, right? Okay, I could just see Manny sitting by the pool. Huh? Hey, you get them reviews yet? All right. Uh, so they're coming in on the... They're out of teletype now. Yeah, Judith Chris is coming in now, buddy. Well, uh, time, tide, and the affairs of men wait for none of us. So would you please uh, give us a little salute to the major occupation of our time, showbiz trivia. <laughs> Johnny, 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 Johnny,
to think and what to write. Oh, they are our people. Hooray, 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 hooray. Why, Lawrence, hooray, hooray, hooray. Vincent can't be second verse, but he gets a little obscene. <laughs> well, yeah, but uh, on the other hand, uh, if you, uh, uh, oh, uh, you know who else was barely mentioned? Very fascinating. John Ehrlichman never was mentioned. Imagine doing a film about Watergate and John Ehrlichman isn't mentioned? Only in passing was Haldeman mentioned. Okay, so it wasn't entertaining. Yes, it was entertaining. But the one thing you got to remember, don't sit back, seven kids hollering and hitting each other because the soundtrack is not the best I've heard in years. In fact, I think somebody must have recorded it on their home recorder. And, uh, you know, it's, 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 uh, it's adequate, but you got to stay with it. And you also have to know the players before you go in there. So go in with your, uh, your Watergate scorecard, the one you kept during the hearings. And, uh, you know, you can sit down there and tick them off as they go. You know, while we're, while we're talking about, uh, you know, that's part of our trivial life, uh, one of the most, uh, I think, intriguing parts is the bumper sticker. Now, the bumper sticker, and I, I'm, by the way, working on a, in a brief two-part piece for, one, for a magazine on the history of the bumper sticker in America. <laughs> if you're interested in why I'm interested in it. However, but the original bumper stickers, you know, were, were as they say, they were direct... Uh, either uh, an advertisement as to where the guy was. In other words, the, the, the driver liked to let people know that he visited Yellowstone Park. And so there'd be a bumper sticker that says, Old Faithful. And you see Old Faithful. You've seen that type? Visit the moving desert of Maine. Then there was uh, Charlie Bielefeld for Assemblyman at Large. Red, white, and blue. Now that's the very early primitive tentative beginnings of the bumper sticker. Then, as time moved on, we moved into the bumper sticker of the mid, uh, let's say, the early to the mid-60s. These were bumper stickers of, you might say, uh, specific purpose, like, ban the bomb. And you saw that type. See, no longer do they mention a guy now. It's not, hooray for Charlie Bielefeld. It was, ban the bomb. The bumper sticker became essentially negative in the 60s. Thousands of bumper stickers came out like, uh, don't blame me. Remember that one? Well, who the hell are you supposed to blame? You know, <laughs> we're all in it together, friend. But there would be scientists, don't blame me. Then there was a, a bumper sticker that would, uh, you saw many of them that just simply said, help. Remember that bumper sticker? Then there were things like, uh, scrunch 90 kill. Oh, yes, that, that was an exciting one. 
Hardly anybody alive today even remembers what strontium-90 was, and if he does remember it, figures it doesn't exist anymore, and they did away with it. See, there's nothing as perishable in this country as the last week's cause. See, a cause used to last, <laughs> you know, maybe 30 or 40 days, but now they last about a week, 10 days. You don't want to be stuck with a bumper sticker that's, uh, you know, fighting a, an old problem like, for God's sakes, ban the bomb. Nobody bans the bomb anymore. And strontium-90, you make candy bars out of it now. All right, uh, what was another one of that period? Okay, uh, make wine, not war. That was one. Make love, not war. There were endless variations on this thing. Endless, like uh, drink beer, uh, stop fighting, stuff like that. And they were essentially negative, you see. In other words, they were always against things. That was a period of time when uh, uh, almost everything... And by the way, the news departments of the world are still against things. Now, like, I'll give you an example of that. See, the news departments, many news departments in America are still remembering their glory days of the 60s. So that, was the, that was the heyday of the news world. That was, in fact, Woodward Bernstein, that, the whole period when the newsman was, the, was, the, uh, was, in a sense, the oracle and the moral leader of our time. See, the news departments had replaced the church as a, as a moral arbiter, you see. Well, it, it, that's a very heady world, you see. And, and as you know, most religions are essentially negative. Stop sinning. Uh, you know, go straight. Uh, you know, cut it out, uh, is basically what most religions say, you know. Think green thoughts. Cut out thinking that stuff you're thinking. Uh, quit hitting people. Uh, so, uh, news departments remain essentially negative. Like the other day, I got a call. Now, I'll give you an example. I got a call, see, and uh, I'm sitting there, phone rings, and uh, on comes this very officious type girl. She says, hello, and I says, yes. Hello, this is the New York Premier Bugle. And I said, yes. Well, we're conducting a poll. Aren't you concerned, uh, as a resident of New York City, aren't you concerned over the terrible traffic jams that we're going to have over the fort? Don't you think that something can be done about that? I said, wait a minute, wait a minute. No, I think it's kind of great. And she says, you do what? I said, no, I think it's great. We're going to have all these people here. Oh, wow. Well, don't you think it's going to cause inconvenience? In other words, they were trying to get a negative answer. And finally, she got so bad, she just says, well, I'm sorry. And that was the end of that. Now, the bumper stickers have taken another turn. The bumper stickers today have become largely theological. But in a non-specific way. For example, I saw one the other day that simply says, I have the answer. Now, I presume you were supposed to drive up next to him and say, what is the answer, buddy? And, of course, he'd hand you a track. Now, uh, there was another one that said, uh, and by the way, I saw this one in the middle of a gigantic traffic jam going into the Holland Tunnel. 20,000 cars, people yelling. The hoods were up, smoke coming out of the cars. Guys were fist fighting. And right in the middle of it all is this guy has a bumper sticker that says, God is in control of it all. Well, I, I sat behind him, see, and I wondered whether God laid that traffic jam on us. Did God lay all this stuff on us? And he was sitting in his car. Once in a while, he'd open the window and yell at somebody next to him. So uh, <laughs> the bumper sticker has largely become, uh, in a sense, uh, ethereal. From the old days of vote for Charlie Field help for assembly, we've gone all the way now to things like, uh, well, uh, like karma. One says karma. 
Now, it never would have occurred to a follower of Buddha to put a bumper sticker on his uh, ox cart that says karma. But, uh, of course, we're not, uh, we're Americans. We like to advertise, especially if we think we've got something that's really great. ESP may be the answer, friend. You've been listening to Gene Shepard, author, raconteur, and commentator on a contemporary scene.